Welcome to Tashma, the podcast where you get to listen in on Hadar's Beat Midrash. This year, each week, we will hear a Devar Torah on the Parsha from Rabbi David Kasher. Let's listen. This week, we're introduced to what will become the holiest object in the Hebrew Bible. Though, it's not really so much an object as it is a container. The Aron Ha'edut, the Ark of the Testament, will serve as the spiritual center of the people of Israel from this point forward until it disappears, either lost or hidden, during the Babylonian siege of Jerusalem. Of course, the actual holiest object is what's in the Ark, the two tablets with the writing of God on them. But once the Ark is closed by Moshe, it's never again opened, so it's the box of the Ark that becomes the focal point of the community. The Ark will occupy the innermost sanctum of the Mishkan, the Holy of Holies, and it is from above the Ark that God communicates with Moshe. The camp of Israel was centered around it at rest and carried it with them as they marched through the wilderness. A Midrash in the Mechilta, however, notices that this Ark, the Aron Ha'edut, the Ark of the Testimony, was not the only Aron that the children of Israel carried with them through the wilderness. Yosef's coffin, Aaron, would travel alongside the ark, Aaron, of the one who lives forever. As they passed by, people of other nations would ask Israel, what is the nature of these two arks? They would answer them, this is the Aaron of a dead body, and this is the Aaron of the one who lives forever. And they said back, is it the nature of the Aron of a dead body to travel alongside the Aron of the one who lives forever? They replied, the dead body lying in this Aron fulfilled what is written on what is lying in this Aron. This is surely a hearty tribute to Yosef. His life was an expression of the ideals in the Ten Commandments, so his remains are worthy of traveling alongside the tablets that record them. But... What's motivating the Midrash to make the connection between these two Aronot? Well, it turns out that there was one, and only one, other Aron in the Torah before this week's Parsha. In the very last verse of Genesis, after Yosef has adjured his brothers to bring his bones out of Egypt, his life comes to an end. Vayamat Yosef ben Me'av Eser Shanim, and Yosef died at 110 years, and he was embalmed, and placed in a coffin, Ba'aron, the Mitzrayim, in Egypt. Here we tend to translate Aron as coffin, or the much more exciting Greek word sarcophagus. We can understand how one Hebrew word would cover both terms. A coffin is like the ark in which a body is placed, because the meaning of an Aron is, fundamentally, a container. These are the only two uses of the term Aron in the entire Torah. The primary use by far, in fact, every instance but one, is the Aron Hayedut, the Aron from this week's Parsha. The only other use, just one time, but the first time in the Torah, is that second-to-last word in Genesis, the coffin that contains Yosef's bones. The context of that first usage, then, serves to infuse the successive images of the Aron with a trace of death. Indeed, the Ark will often be associated with death. 
when it's taken captive by the Philistines. It brings death and destruction wherever it is stored. When David eventually attempts to bring the ark to Jerusalem, they load it onto a cart and head back with great fanfare, singing and dancing in front of it. But at one point, the oxen pulling the cart stumble, and Uzzah reaches and grabs the ark to save it from falling. And God immediately strikes him down for touching the ark. Vayamatsham im Aaron ha'elokim. Uzzah died there with the ark of God. Even after the ark is installed in the great temple, every year during the Yom Kippur ceremony, when the high priest entered the Holy of Holies, the people waited with bated breath to see if he would emerge, bli fega, unharmed. There's a third rail quality to the ark. Its power can be annihilating to anyone who comes too close, even with good intention. And that's why the Midrash conceives of two arks, one named for Chai Olamim, the one who lives forever, and one named for a mate, a dead person. The forces of life and death are both contained in the ark. It brings connection to the life force of all worlds and can provide protection and abundance to people. But that power, if misused or mishandled, can also become a force for death. The Ark thus becomes a fitting metaphor for our relationship to God and to Torah, these powerful forces that can sustain or destroy. As the Talmud in Yoma says, if one merits, the Torah can become a serum of life, but if not, it becomes a serum of death. And the Ark can contain either potion. In fact, according to another image from our sages, even the Aron containing life had within it the remnants of brokenness and death. In a saying quoted several times in the Talmud, but most notably for our purposes by Rav Yosef, Luchot v'shivre luchot munachot ba'aron. Both the second tablets and the original broken tablets were placed in the ark. If that's so, then not only does the source of all life travel alongside the dead bones of Yosef, but the whole and functional tablets themselves are traveling with the lifeless bones of the old tablets. In fact, Rav Yosef goes on to say that the broken tablets are there to teach us that Torah scholars who have forgotten their learning due to circumstances beyond their control still deserve honor. That scholar who also once embodied the Torah in its fullness now is merely a vestige of what was. But like the broken tablets, the body that once carried Torah still retains its holiness. This is also the function of burial in a coffin, The human being was once the embodiment of the divine image. In the fullness of its power, that image manifests the presence of God on earth. But our lives are eventually fleeting as well. Our containers become broken, and all that remains are our bones. They're not the human life itself, but like the tablets, they're a testament to what once was. That's what the ark represents for Israel. Not an object, but a container. Not an essence, but a vessel. It can contain life and death, holiness and brokenness. It is powerful not because of what it is, but because of what it can hold. The Aaron is very much like a human being in that way. We're all vessels, capable of containing the most sacred things. Torah, holiness, the image of God. We carry these things only temporarily, but even after they depart... How can we not honor the vessels that once held them? 
This may provide a clue to understanding the never-explained name of one of our most sacred vessels, the original high priest himself. For it may have occurred to you by now that the word Aron sounds a lot like the name of the one person who was to visit it yearly, Aharon. It's as if the Ark had the letter He added to its name, to indicate that it contains some extra connection to God. That makes the name Aharon comprised of the same letters as Ha'aron, the Ark. The Aron they carried through the desert was a box that contained stone tablets in it, records of God's speech. But Aharon, a living human being, was the real sacred vessel, the one who had actually spoken to God and tried to live out the message he had received. Like Aharon, we are all clay kodesh, sacred vessels, containing an imprint of the divine. We carry it around with us until our journey comes to an end. Then we, too, are placed into a box, and our memory is carried forward by the next generation. Our producers for this episode are Sam Greenberg and Jeremy Tabak. Thank you to Nadav Remez for editing this episode. I'm your host, Rabbi Avi Killip. It's been a pleasure to learn with you. <laughs>